How are you doing today? I truly, I, I truly am blessed. Everybody online is going, what is going on with those folks in that church? I'm, I truly am blessed when I come here and I can sing these songs and lift up God's name. It is such an awesome time just to praise the God of gods and Lord of lords and King of kings as we sang about this morning. And this morning we want to continue in our sermon series about hope. If you can uh, relate with a lot of the stuff going on in our world right now, there's a lot of hopelessness that is going on in people's hearts and minds. And we want to communicate to all those in person, those watching online, that, the God, that our God is the God of hope. He brings hope into people's lives. He allows us to have a purpose and a passion for living from this day forward. and gives us a, a purpose in our lives so we know we're not just here living and working 40 hours a week. We're not just here living our lives with masks, without masks, going to stores, lining up 6, 12, 25 feet apart. We're here to glorify God in all that we do and say and all the way how we live our lives. And God gives us hope no matter what. I go off line and hit the line. Let me switch to a Thank you. That's that. <laughs> We'll get it here in a second. There we go. Testing one, two, three. You got me. All right. Cares is good. I'm quick on the buttons back there to sound good. So anyhow, we know that God is the God of hope. There we go. God is the God of hope, and we want to bring hope and peace to all of those around us in this world. We want to bring the God of peace into people's lives. And so this morning is we're going to look at the, the in, in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. The storms of life that come upon people. We're going to look at a story. You know, I'm not big on talking about the storms of like storms on the sea and relate to the storms of life, but as we look at the struggle the disciples had, as Jesus said, let's take this boat. It's nice and calm and peaceful. Let's take this boat and go across the Sea of Galilee and see what God's got as far as on the other side. They encounter some struggles. They encounter difficulty and trials. And we're going to see how they respond to the difficulty and the trials. We're going to see how Jesus responds to difficulty and trials and what he teaches them but how we can come through the difficulty and the trials in our own lives as well to reach this world. Because that is our purpose as believers, as followers of Jesus. We're not just to live our lives 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week. We're to live our lives in such a way that God is glorified in all that we do and say. In the good times and the bad times. Just because you're a follower of Jesus does not mean everything is going to go smoothly. Do you agree with that? Just because you come to church on Sunday, just because you're reading your Bible every day, just because you come and you fellowship and you're doing the right things, quote unquote, does not mean everything in life is just going to go smooth. Satan wants to discourage us. He wants to frustrate us. He wants us to view, to get discouraged and sad and depressed and shake our fist at God and say, God, how dare you? If he can get us thinking that way, rather than viewing the world and all that's going on as God's plan and his pattern to draw him into himself, then we fall into his trap. 
this this past week, in fact, I had an opportunity. I called up tech support for my computer. And now you're thinking, David, you're senior techie here at the church. Yes, I had to call tech support. And as I'm talking to the girl on the other end of the line, I let her access to my computer so she can see what's going on and she's trying to troubleshoot some stuff. And she goes over and looks at my bar where all my apps are there and she goes, what's this? She points to a little pointer and she goes, what's this application right there? So it's my Bible app. And the one above it is my Bible app as well. She goes, you have Bible apps on your, on your computer? That's amazing, that is awesome. And she just drops it and goes on. A few minutes later she comes back and she goes, are you a Christian by chance? Well, yes I am. In fact, I'm a pastor. She goes, oh my goodness. And she goes on and troubleshoots some more stuff with me. And then we have a 30 minute conversation about faith. This girl's up in Canada. This girl's up in, way up in Canada and has no clue who I am, no clue who's on the underline. I had no clue when I called that morning that God was giving me an opportunity to share and minister to this girl for 30 minutes on the phone. She's supposed to be troubleshooting my computer and helping me, and yet in turn, she hears the message of God's word and hopefully gets encouraged. And so Karen, if you're watching this morning, hope you uh, are enjoying the service so far. She said she was gonna tune in, so everybody say hi. Hi. She can't see you. She can hi. see you. Well, I'm so glad that God gave us opportunity to share hope with her because she needed to have hope spoken into her life yesterday. Right now, I'm going to ask Kenisa, we're going to run the videos. We're going to listen and follow along with your Bibles as soon as we listen to God's Word. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. That day, when he he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. That's the question that many people have. As we proclaim Jesus, in the storms of life, he comes in and helps. He comes alongside and participates with us in those storms. He doesn't leave us by ourselves. 
He could have very easily just sent the disciples out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee, as he does later. And then he comes walking out onto the water to join them. He goes with them into the storm, as he goes with us into the storms of our lives as well. The disciples came away from that experience very changed. They went into the boat, looking at Jesus as a rabbi, teacher, maybe a prophet, or maybe a greater prophet than even Elijah. But as Jesus stood up at the foot of the, the front of that boat, and he told the winds and the waves to die down, what do you think was going through their mind? This is no mere man. Even the wind and the waves obey. What was going through their mind? They came away totally transformed from that experience. In fact, they learned that their, their hope was purified. Their, their, through this whole time, their hope and their faith is being purified through their experience and their time with Jesus, even out here on the water. See, when they turned their attention from the storms going on around them to the person of Jesus, a purifying took place in their lives. When they got their eyes off of the storms, all that was going on, they're like, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care what happens to us? And they got their eyes off the nine and ten foot waves. And they put their eyes on Jesus. A purifying began to take place in their lives. Their hope returned when Christ took over. So could it be that God has the same hope and soul for us as we come out of the storms in our lives purified? Could it be that God has the same desire for us to come out of the storms in our lives? Whatever it is that you're facing right now, whatever struggle is going on in your life, we've got them, you've got them, everybody in this room has got them in different parts of your lives. We've all got these storms that are going on in our lives. Could it be that when you come out of this storm that your hope and your faith or then purified as you draw closer to him and change your eyes off what's going on. And you put your eyes on the one who's going along with you. So this morning, as we look at this, number one, understand this. Our hope is purified in the storm. Our hope is purified in the storm. Verse 35, what does Jesus say there? He said, let's cross over to the other side. Let's cross over. What do you think? He didn't say, do you think this is a good idea? He didn't take a poll. He didn't call up Gallup and say, would you please call all the disciples and get their ideas on this? He just said, let's cross over. It was a declaration, not a suggestion. He said, this is the way we must go. We are going to go to the other side. He led the group. He said, we're going to walk down to the shore. We're going to get in the boat. We're going to start crossing the river, crossing the sea rather. And all of you are very experienced fishermen. I'm going to let you do the pulling. I'm tired. I'm going to go sleep on the back. Let me know when we get there. Do you think that Jesus didn't know what was going to happen? Do you think that Jesus was clueless about what was fixing to happen in the middle of the, of the Sea of Galilee? Do you think he was not aware that storms were coming, that waves were getting them to rise up? In fact, I mentioned a minute ago, it was commonplace out in the Sea of Galilee, it still is today, for waves to come up nine and ten feet tall for wind to be crashing through there. It can be a dangerous place 
for a small boat. Jesus knew full well what was going to happen. And yet he took the disciples anyway. He went with them. Same thing happens to us. Jesus goes with us into our storm. He may lead us into an area of life that is radically different than we are being stretched. Maybe you're moved from one state to, to this state and people are different here in Colorado than we were back in Chicago or they're different here than they were for, like you. Like we came back from the state seven years ago. We understood that Americans are weird. We've been overseas for 20 years. We come to think about life in a certain way and we came back here and we were like, this isn't the same group of people that we left 20 years ago. And for our girls, they've been raised overseas. So for them, all of y'all are really weird. Life in America is strange. God used that to stretch us, to mold us, and begin to shape us into what he wanted us to become. Close your eyes just for a minute and imagine yourself sitting in that boat. The storm comes up. Waves are crashing. You turn around and you see Jesus sleeping. What thought is going through your mind? What thought is going through your mind as you see your leader asleep? How would you have reacted? Go up and ask him. How would you have reacted if you were one of the disciples in that boat? Would you have shook your finger at Jesus? Jesus, how dare you sleep? Don't you see what we're going through? Teacher, but they said, don't you care that we're going to die? Maybe we have some of the same attitude. We're struggling in life. Things are going on. We don't understand why we're going through these struggles in our lives. and We're being tempted to say, teacher, don't you care that you fill in the blank? Don't you care that my kids are struggling? Don't you care that... I'm struggling in school. Don't you care that I've lost my job? Don't you care that whatever it may be? The disciples asked the question, don't you care? Jesus does care. Jesus does care. He doesn't leave us alone. He didn't leave the disciples alone. He went with them into the storm and he goes with us also into the storm. Do we attempt to control the situation, handle things ourselves? I lost my job. Guess I'll just go get another one, any random job, right? No. Do you pray about it? You say, God, what job do you want me to have? What neighborhood do you want me to move into? What state do you want me to move to? What church do you want me to attend? God, where do you want, do you ask him for those questions? Let's hear the answer. I've said it before, the house you live in, the neighborhood you live in, is not an accident. The job you have, the cubicle you live in, those people you associate with at work, is not an accident. God has placed you there. God has placed you in that neighborhood. God has placed you in this church to minister and be a part of the body here. We talked about hope over the past few weeks. We talked about, first of all, we have to have hope in God, trust in God, and know that He is there. Secondly, we have to put our hope in the person of Jesus. 
to put our hope in the person of Jesus as he walks alongside of us. And we put hope in his word, trusting in his word. We put hope in the people of God coming alongside and learning to minister together with the people of God. God has brought you here. He's placed you here so we can minister together. Do we try to control the situation in our lives, control it ourselves? That's a temptation. Do we try to escape, to run away from our problems, to ignore the problems, or to hide from them? Those are all temptations. And yet Jesus is there waiting for us to call him. Teacher, Rabbi, Lord, help. See, it is, a, it is possible to encounter incredible storms in our lives and still feel at peace. Those being that storms are easier, we still got to go through them, but it is possible to go through the storms in our lives and still be at peace with all that is going on. There's an amazing, incredible peace that we have as God's children. We understand that we are not alone in this life. We are not alone in going through the struggles. We are not alone in what we are going through. God goes through it with us. Remember Jesus' response when the disciples were pulling on the horse? What was he doing? He was asleep. He wasn't bothered. He knew the outcome. He knew that he could stand up at any time and say, be at peace. The disciples were the ones freaking out. We're the ones freaking out all the time. Jesus says, I got it. Trust me to get you through it. Don't freak out. Just come to me and let me come alongside. That you complete this prayer. Say, Lord, as I embrace the truth that you notice me, that you care for me, and you are full of peace, I invite you into right now, into the midst of whatever it may be. Would you pray that prayer? Would you invite Jesus into the midst of your struggle? Not trying to handle it yourself. Not running away or ignoring it or trying to hide from it. Invite him into the middle of it. Let him come in and take control to calm the waves, to calm the storm. Now it may or may not happen as fast as it did for the disciples. And he stood up immediately waves calm down. Will you, will you invite Jesus into the middle of your struggle and let him take over? That's what happens when our hope begins to be purified. You realize that it's not about me. It's not on my shoulders to overcome and to get through it. It's on Jesus to help. Secondly, hope purifies our faith in the word of God. Can we go back to verse 35 where he says, let's cross over to the other side. It wasn't a suggestion. Jesus said it and it happened. And he also knew that they would get to the other side. They were going to get to the other side. There was no doubt in his mind. That's why he was at peace at the bottom of the boat, sitting in the back sleeping. He knew they were going to get there. See, the storms of life that we go through are no match for the declaration God, for the words of God. Through them, he is purifying us to make us more like him, to make us more Christ-like, 
Tell us know that we will make it too, through to the other side. His words to us. The storms don't, do not test God's word, but they do test our trusting. God's word is forever. God's word is inerrant. It is the infallible scripture, the very words of God in our hand or on your smartphone. These are the very words of God. Just because we're going through a storm, just because we're going through a struggle, does not invalidate what God said in his word. It may cause us to question it. Our faith may be tested, but just because our faith is tested does not mean that God's word is invalidated. His word is always true, and it will always bring us back to it. You think, think of the disciples. As they were ministering with Jesus before they went out on the boat, they heard the disciples say to, to the, the, the people, be clean. He heard him, they heard him speak to them, be clean to the leper. And it was so. Totally clean. They heard him say to the paralytic, get up, take up your bed and walk, take it, go home. And they saw it happen. But they hadn't yet experienced his power for themselves in their own lives. They'd seen him minister to a lot of other people. The lepers cleansed, paralytics healed, deaf people made to hear, blind people made to see. They'd seen and heard him do all kinds of miraculous things. But Mark 4 is the first time they'd been able to experience it themselves. They've been a part of his ministry. They've been a part of going out, passing out bread to the 5,000. But now, Jesus got to show up. Jesus got to show off for them. And they got to experience his power. What happened to their faith when God shows up for their problem? See, going through the struggles ourselves, it's okay to see somebody else and come alongside and say, you know, brother, God's going to get you through this. And I can have faith and I can know that God's going to get John through this. But when I'm going through the struggle myself and God shows up and he works out for me and shows he has care and interest in my problems, what does that do for my faith? What does that do to the disciples' faith? All of a sudden, God wasn't just there for this person and that person and that person. God was also showing up for me. And he shows that he cares about me. The psalmist says it this way. In Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord, the psalmist says. My soul waits. And in him, in his word, I put my I don't put my hope in my experiences. I don't put my hope in what's going on around me and what my eyes can see. I put my hope in his word and what God has already said to me over and over and over again. And I trust his word. Don't forget that God's word to us is let's go. We're going across the lake. Come on, let's go down to the river, down to the boat. Let's get in. We're going to go across the sea.
God is going to be with you. Just because we follow Jesus does not mean we are free from adversity, pain, or hardship. Those that tell you that by following Jesus that life will just be easy, your best life now is a lie. My best life is yet to come in heaven. The best life we're ever going to experience is when we meet Jesus face to face and we're at his feet and we bow down and we say, Behold the King of kings and Lord of lords. We get to stand there. We watch the, the beasts around the throne and they cry out all of eternity, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And that's all they say for all eternity because God is holy and God is special. I can't wait to sit at his feet. I can't wait to enjoy the presence of Jesus. Our best life is yet to come in his presence. In the meantime, he has given us his word to cling to. He has given us the word of God to cling to. And the promises in his word are there for us to build our hope through his word. The infallible, inerrant, never-changing Word of God. And this is what God says to us. This, I'm going to read five statements here. There's a passage going on with it. I want you to look at these and view them as God's promises and His claims to you. Number one, He says, I am the God who is delighted when you hope in me. Psalm 147, 11 says, God values those who fear Him, those who put their hope in His faithful love. God says, I am the God who is delighted in you. I'm happy with you when you put your hope and your trust in me. I am delighted. Number two, he says, I am the God who's going to renew your strength. I am the God who's going to renew your strength. Not you, not your next door neighbor, not the self-help book you're reading, not even the songs you're singing. I am the one who's going to renew your strength. Isaiah 40, 31, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. I am the God who's going to renew your strength and carry you through when you're weak. Number three, I am the God who has plans for your life. I am the God who has plans for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God says, I know what my plans are for you. You may think you've got it all together. You may have your five-year or your 10-year or your 20-year plan. You've got your retirement all set up in your IRA and you're ready to go. But God says, I've got plans for you that you don't even have a clue about yet. When God called our, our pastor friend in Houston at age 70 to move overseas as a missionary, age 70, to leave what it was comfortable, what he understood, what he knew about life here in America, age 70, to pick it all up and to move to the Philippines. Bob had no clue who God had in store. He's been in, he was enjoying his church. He'd been pastoring a great church for a number of years. For decades he'd been pastoring. And God picked him up and says, you know what? 
I've got more plans, more in store for you than you even have an idea about. And picked him up and moved him overseas. Number four, God says, I am the God who is good for you. I am the one who is good for you. Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. God is the good one. God is all goodness. There is no evil. There is no bad. There is no wrong in him. He is all good. He says, I am the God who is good for you. Come to me. Put your hope and your trust in me. I have all, all that I have is yours. I want to see good in your life as well. I want to see you succeed and prosper. I'm the one who's good for you. Number five, he says, I'm the God who pours out love. Pours out love. Romans 5, 5, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Don't think of poured out like a little pitcher. Think of poured out like Niagara Falls. God's love pouring over the edge into our lives. His love filling us, transforming us, making us more like Him. So that we can glorify Him. So that we can lift up His name. Can we praise God even in the midst of the struggles? Can we glorify God even when life is not going well? Can we trust in God and put our faith and our hope in Him even when life throws us a curveball? This world we're living in, this is a temporary home. It's our temporary residence. This is not our final resting place. My final resting place is at the foot of Jesus in heaven, rejoicing and honoring him forever. I'm glad that God is the one who pours out love like the Niagara Falls into my life. Letting me feel, feel his presence. So hope purifies our faith in the word of God, and lastly, hope purifies our walk with Christ. Hope purifies our walk with Christ. See, the disciples' fear shifted focus while they were in that boat. Their fear shifted focus while they were in the boat. They started out panicking. They started out, roll, roll faster, roll faster, bring in the sails, throw down the anchor, whatever we got to do. We're going to be swamped. We're going to die. Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Why are you sleeping? How can you sleep? Water's being thrust, thrown into your face. How can you sleep through all of this? He had a mask on. That's it. The disciples feared, totally shifted focus while they were in the boat. So, see, something happened between verse 40 and 41. There in Mark chapter 4. Listen. It says, and he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with a great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey? Something happened between those two verses. So the words used there in the Greek, in verse 40, the word for fear is delios. It means cowardly or afraid. 
fearful, panic. Anybody who's had a panic attack knows exactly what that is. You just, you freeze like a deer in the headlights. You can't move. Everything is shut down. But then in verse 4, 41, when it says they were filled with a great fear, it's the word phobos, which means to be in holy fear or reverence. Or in some cases, we call it worship. It says they were filled with worship. They were filled with awe. A fear of the Lord took over, not a fear that made them panic and freeze, but a fear of awe. Like, who then is this? Who then is this? That even the wind and the waves obey. He's not just some teacher. He's not just some random rabbi. He's not just some dude who can do some cool things. He's not even a prophet of God. He's maybe the prophet, the Messiah. And their mind and their eyes were opened. The radical change that took place as they got to experience Jesus doing something on their behalf, not just for others, on their behalf as well. Paul says it this way in Romans 15. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sure, Paul said there? Now may the God of hope fill you, which is good, with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may what? You may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the hope that we get, like last week I was talking about being a sponge, as hope fills you, as faith fills you, and then somebody comes along and touches you, and all of a sudden, boom, Jesus pops out. That's what happens as we go through the struggles in life, as we go through these difficulties in life, as we see God move on our behalf. All of a sudden, our hope, our faith has grown. So that we have no choice but to let Jesus just pop out as we begin to talk to people about what we have experienced, about what we have been able to overcome by the power of God in our lives. And the same change comes to us as we came to the disciples and we go, Who is this man? Really? Who is this man? Really? That even the wind and the waves obey him. That even my struggles and my difficulties are nothing for him. Who is this man, really? As we draw closer to this man, we come to see that he is the omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, Lord of Lords and King of Kings, the Most High God. He is one we lift up. He is one. We crown him with many crowns because he alone deserves it. He is the one who's able to overcome all of our struggles. And I don't know what your, what your struggle is today. I don't know what you're going through. But God sees you. He sees your struggle. He comes alongside. He says, let me help. Let me come alongside and calm the wind and the waves. See, the disciples, as they went through this, 
that holy reverence, that fear of the Lord would soon guide all of their decisions. Not fear that God was going to come alongside and guilt them into the obedience, but this fear of the Lord that leads to a, a deep dread of just displeasing him. I was, was explaining to somebody this week that when I was dating Regina, I did things because I wanted to coerce her into liking me and to coerce her into loving me, to coerce her into becoming my husband. It was a selfish love. She's up here nodding. Yep. That was my end goal. I wanted her to like me, to love me enough that we could spend the rest of our life together. But she was a one right is one righteous fox. But now I do things not to coerce her. I do things for her and I love her because I love her. And I want her to be pleased. I want her to have a good feeling. I want her to feel that love. And to know that I love her so much. So I do things now, now not out of a sense of guilt. And that I've got to do these things. Or I want to trick her into liking me or loving me. But because I want her to be truly happy. It's the same way in this relationship with God. As I have this fear of the Lord. And the disciples found this out too. As they developed this fear of the Lord. They no longer did things. They no longer lived a certain way out of guilt and fear of anxiety. They now did things out of the sense that they wanted God to be pleased. They wanted God to look down on them and go, well done, my good and faithful servant. They wanted God to see their love for him. That's a freeing kind of love. That's a freeing kind of fear. It's like, wow. That's the kind of servant man we serve. Who says, I love you just because. I love you just because you are my servant and you follow me. I loved you so much that while you were still in your sins, I died for you, he said. When we were abhorrent and he would have just spit us out of his mouth, he died for us. See, can the same be said for you and me that we have the fear of the Lord that our true desire is to please God and let him guide us and empower us in walking for some day. As we live our lives, this hope development grows within us. Not so that we can panic and fear and so that we can fall on our face before God and say, God, I love you. What can I do today to serve you? How can I be a better blessing to you today? We serve God now because we love him. Maybe this morning, as you're sitting here or you're watching online, you realize that you've never experienced the hope and love of Jesus. That you have been trying your whole life to live your life in such a way because you've been like that deer in the headlights. I've got to live this way because if I don't, the judgment of God is going to come down on me. And the struggles of life come on, you think that God is judging you because of some decision you made. Sometimes life just happens. 
sometimes life just comes up and overwhelms us. And when it does, you can be like the psalmist that I read earlier. It says, I trust and I hope in God. I put my hope in this word. I trust in his inerrant and fallible word of God. Maybe this morning you need to commit your life to following him. Saying, God, I've been running for you my whole life. I've been trying to live my life my own way. And this morning, I need to commit my life to follow you from this day forward, for the very first time. So if that's you, if you have never committed your life to Jesus, if you have never followed him, I want to ask you to repeat this prayer after me this morning as you commit your life to Jesus the first time. You can say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've messed up my life. And I need your help. Come into my life today. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you from this day forward. Not as a God to be feared, but as a Savior to be loved. Today, I follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer this morning, would you know that you become a part of God's family? And that we in this room are your brothers and sisters. Those watching online, we are your brothers and sisters. Maybe this morning you're here watching online or here in this room and you'd say, I've been trying to live my life my own way. I've been trying to go through my struggles. I believed in Jesus. I trusted in Jesus. I prayed that prayer one way in my life but I've been trying to live my life my own way. The struggles come up. I've been running. I've been hiding. I've been trying to manage it myself. And today, you need to give it up to him. Let him take over. Let him come alongside. Let him calm the wind and the waves. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand real quick? I want to pray for you. Met you this morning. Thank you. I want to pray for you right now, for those who raise their hands, and maybe those who are afraid to. Lord God, you saw the hands raised, some raised very carefully in front of them, some lifted up just the head and eye level, some lifted up high, high, high over their heads. So God, I need to give it all over to you to let you handle the struggles of my life. I pray that you would let them feel your presence this morning, that you would come alongside them as they give their struggles to you. So let them feel the peace, the peace of God that passes understanding as we go through the struggle together, as we go through life together. I pray, Father, that everyone in this room would feel your peace and your presence this morning. We're going to stand this morning and sing one final song, one final hymn, one final song this morning.